0: <laughs> it would be a war spot, eh? I'm going
1: full. People 4 might yet win it here for Wolf.
2: Hello, 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 and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the Ninety Min Football Network. Um, Rich Hobbs joining you to discuss the one-one draw against Brentford. Um, joining me today, we've got um, we've got Matt, we've got Kim, and we've got Michael as well. Michael, great to have you on. Um, I was gonna say, give us a breakdown, give us a plug for your um, for, for your show as much as anything else.
1: Yeah, no. Thanks for having me on. It's one of the first Wolves-related things I do. But I do the audio description commentary with Matt for Wolves. I'm a sort of long-distance but also long-term Wolves supporter. And yeah, I also do, I do a European football podcast, which is at RTN Football on Twitter and Road to our European Football Podcast on all usual Spotify or streaming services, all
2: places where you can find. Them. That's exactly yeah. uh, that's exactly what we uh, like to here. I was going to say. Long distance, long-suffering Wolves, long-term, long-suffering, exactly like what we want to hear um, from a fan. We've we've all been there. Um, let's get into the bones of it. Um, Wolves managed to not lose a game, guys. Woo, Who woo, woo. it? I know, <laughs> like, oh, get out of the bubbly. Um, no, but we did draw 1-1 against Brentford. Well, it wasn't the most inspiring of games, but in a way, it kind of needed to be like that um just to make sure that we were getting points on the board um i was gonna say kim i know you went down to brentford yesterday how did did you find how did you find going to the well meccano stadium
3: um all round, pretty bizarre experience actually which i think is pretty much similar to most sort of fans experiences in the past um yeah, I think it, it's just a bizarre ground. I mean, you've got these sort of like screens like above you that have got sort of action replays, and then you find yourself just like watching the screen instead of like actually watching the game. And then it's like, well, why am I even here if I'm just sort of like watching it on the TV? I might as well I might as well be sitting at home. <laughs> and then that obviously for their goal, you saw this the the replays, and then. For our goal, it's like, all oh, really want a replay of Neves' sort of brilliant shot from outside the box, and and there was no replay, so obviously that was a bit annoying. But I think generally, yeah, it's just a weird ground that's almost like Lego looking. It doesn't it, even look real. Is it
0: because driving over it on on like the A roads and the motorway, it doesn't look like there's an inch that they could have made it any bigger around kind of where it's. No. Is it t- What's it like? It must. It looks proper congested from the outside.
3: It is. Um, and you almost have to walk through like housing estates and like blocks of flats to even get to the away end. Um, yeah. It was a bit strange, but at least it's not one of those modern bowls at least I guess there's quirks even though yeah they're a bit weird I mean the pubs around there are quite cool though you know you can pretty much get in any pub they they allow away fans pretty friendly um that was quite a good experience but yeah yeah all round bizarre but I'm just glad I've got a, a little ground tick off
2: very nice. I was going to say, always good to tick one off the list. Um, let's draw your memories back to two o'clock on Saturday uh, to the lineup. And I, it always feels a bit difficult doing lineups these days because we can't exactly get a lot of variation because of the, well, frankly, shocking number of players we have. Um, but there were a couple of changes from the, uh, well, let's be honest, humiliating defeat to. Leicester with uh Troyori coming back into the middle of the park and also Tomado coming in for Johnny as well. Matt, were you happy with the starting lineup? Um,
0: all things being equal, I think so. I think A, it was possibly the lineup that we needed against Leicester anyway, but B, what I was more pleased to see is he's reacted on what was an awful performance from Johnny against Leicester, so he's acted on that and a bit more physicality by having uh Bubakar. Uh, in there as well so pretty much what I expected was really pleased that um, despite being on the unfortunately having that 4-0 on his only second start Bueno also made it made the uh, lineup so yeah I think it was the lineup that most people would have been happy with
2: definitely uh, Michael how about you were you uh, were you pleasantly surprised but um, before the match
1: yeah, I was satisfied sort of when I saw the lineup. I thought yeah, I agreed. I knew Johnny had to be taken out of the firing line following that game against Leicester. I was to be honest, I was a little bit surprised Hugo Bueno kept stayed in after Leicester. I didn't think going forward he kept a bad account of himself, but you know, even against Brentford, you can see uh, defensively, certainly the side of his game he has to work on more. And I, I did expect Ryan Aitnori to come back in there. Um but yeah, I thought it was a good show of character to give Bubakar Triori a shot. I mean it was that yellow card, wasn't it, against Crystal Palace that forced his sort of early withdrawal from that, or forced Steve Davis's hand from his perspective um, a couple of games back. And so I was really excited to get a closer look at him.
2: Definitely, uh, Dean Marston's uh, set comments. To be fair to Davis, uh, taking injuries and things into consideration, he's got all the lines pretty much spot on, and I'd, I'd, I'd agree um, with that. The that... A lot of it has seemed to be very much square pegs in square holes a lot of the time. And rightly or wrongly, he's tried to keep things as simplistic as possible, um, which I definitely can't blame him for. And going into the game itself, as I kind of started the show by saying, it wasn't necessarily, you know, one for the neutrals. It, it was a bit scrappy. um But walls did. Wolves did. Create a few chances and did look lively at certain points, Kim. Uh what what did you kind of make of the sort of a, yeah. a, I guess initial proceedings?
3: I think I think we started positively, um, as we had done pretty much the last couple of games, the first ten minutes, and you think, okay, at least we're sort of keeping the ball and creating some half chances. But I think the issue is they're they're still, and I think throughout the game there were a few chances, but they weren't. Like clear cut. I think if you'd have asked, if, you, if you'd have looked at the stats, and I don't know what the, the stats are in terms of like the xG, um, but I I just don't think we're still creating really good clear cut chances. So I think there was a few weren't there in the in, you know the at the start sort of Javatini. I think he was the first pretty much half chance um, where it came came onto me. I think was it just past the post maybe. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I think we we started well, um, but I still think it showed in terms of a lack of confidence from from the off, really, that the team still uh, tend to tend to have.
2: I mean, I guess one of the, the biggest <laughs> criticisms you could have had against Leicester is that we well we, we we lacked some of the fundamental basics of what we expect as fans in terms of the desire the you know being able to pass the ball ten yards and things like that. But Matt, do you think we were, you know, better at the, the bare minimum as it were?
0: Uh yeah, I I, I don't think there was any
3: no a any... <laughs> low bar. I, yeah, I realised like realize you know, low hanging
0: we... fruit. But it's <laughs> yeah. um you know there were no there were no shouts for that there might have been a competition winner on the pitch for this game. Do you know what I mean? Um yeah. I think that then again like those 8 minutes you mentioned against Leicester we, um, we we start well in pretty much every game over the last 3 4 games um, and we did and we did this game as well i think you know diego costa missed uh, a header opportunity that came into him Jeremy Tino did everything that he could with his with his volley and and a deflection the other way and that would have that would have would have gone in um we did the the basics right it's just lacking a killer edge at the moment and lacking, as we have done for so long, just that lethal hunger strike. There's only so many different ways you can you can package that any differently. It's the same fundamental problems that we have, but what I think was much better on this occasion than it was against Leicester is, defensively, we weren't looking anywhere near as fragile. Kilman and Collins just had a bit more of a... just They were just more confident and there was less of this... Trickery trying to pass the ball out or, or try and Cruyff turn in the 18 on the 18 yard line, it was just kind of everything that needed to be done was done efficiently and smoothly, and that's what you needed just to keep yourselves in the game because that's the first thing for Wolves at the minute. Just don't concede.
2: I was gonna say, you, you bring up uh, an interesting point, particularly around Kilman and Connors, who did look a lot more themselves. But Michael, do you think having Traore in front of them helped because he again gave a busy account of himself is the best way I can describe it.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, even if it's not him directly, I think the fact he kind of gave Ruben Neves, who tends to be sort of the deepest of the midfield three, a bit more protection in front of him, meant that Ruben Neves, in turn, could then be sort of shielding the back four a little bit more and also offering another pass option, but also so could Traore, who was you know all over the pitch and I'm sure we'll get on to tria performance at some point, but um, yeah, there was there, there was elements of his inclusion that I think really benefited Wolves from a confidence point of view.
2: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm starting to become quite a big fan of Troyal Ray. Uh, what what he lacks in a first touch, he makes up for in getting himself about. And I know Kim, you were never a big fan of Dendonka, were you? <laughs> Yeah, but, to put it lightly. Yeah, but do you, is Traore what you wanted Dendonka to be?
3: I think he's he probably complements... He has the attributes that the other midfielders that we have don't. So I think on paper, I think he's he is what we need. And I think his performance was, albeit at times... I think he gave the ball away a little bit in, you know, when it was just like, oh, just, you know, make the simple pass. But he was, as soon as he gave that ball away, right away, he was really trying to win it back and, you know, putting his foot in and just giving us that energy that I think in over the last few years we've really sort of lacked. Um, So, yeah, I think I I was pretty pleased with his performance and I think, Moving into the next couple of games before the World Cup, I think he, he has to start because I think it's really showing with Martinho now that he shouldn't be playing a full 90 minutes in the Premier League mm. every single week. Um, so I think, we, obviously, providing that Nunes is okay in terms of his injury, then that combination of Neves, um, Nunes and um, Traore could actually work really well.
2: It's got a lot of balance when... On paper, that, that trio, and I, I think me, all of us in here, on here, plus every Wolves fan, has the utmost respect to Jean Moutinho. But having someone like Traore in there alongside Neves, alongside Nunes, does feel a bit more balanced, so to say, Matt?
0: Yeah, I'd say so. And... <sighs> It, it, it's cliched in this and it, it makes me sound like I'm, I'm pining for a Mick McCarthy 11 of just grafters, but you just sometimes want to see mm. passion and heart and, and having a go. And he, what he lacks in um, maybe technical skill, he makes up for in rawness. And we've got to remember as well, he has never played anywhere near this level in his career and he's adapted to it pretty quickly, I think. Mm. Um, And in those games that are 50-50 games, I know prior to this game, I think everybody, myself included, had us down for a shellacking. But when you look on the teams on paper, I think it's a 50-50 game. I think sometimes you just need that extra bit of spark and desire. And that's what he brings. Not that, you know, Moutinho, for example, he's known as being the consummate professional, possibly too passionate in that when he loses, he takes it super seriously and everything else. But, you also need the youth and legs underneath it as well to carry that. So, I think he's um, I can I wouldn't say he's his first name on the team sheet going forward, but in a game that you need to have that energy and uh, about you, I think you know you've got to consider him going forward.
2: I mean, I think he's done exceptional in the fact that he's played well a handful of games for us. But you're right; he, he borderline does need to start. And the fact that we've seen young players come into the club and not really get an opportunity and he's and don't get me wrong for baseline at the moment for Wolves' performance levels are low we you know but actually he has shown what let's say as a bare minimum that we expect and what we've needed and what we've missed in the midfield a lot of the time and hey don't get me wrong we rightfully slaughter um, our attacking players because we don't score we rightfully slaughter our defenders when we you know get spanked 4-0 and the midfielders can sometimes get off a bit lightly within it and a lot of it it's just the fact that for a significant amount of time i think we've had similarish players um and he seems to have just be this new element which is you know just brand new and exciting and this, you know lovely new shiny toy um but with with Triore, I think he helped break up a lot of playing and a lot of momentum with Brentford. Um, and I think that was one of the big overarching things in the game that it was very stop it was quite a uh, stop start game, wouldn't you say, um Kim?
3: Yeah, I think, what was the stat? The, how long was the ball in play? It was a pretty low sort of oh. number, I think. I believe um, was it was about 44 minutes or something. Yeah, and that just sort of summed up the game, really. It, You know, it was just really stop-start, quite a few sort of injuries, and I suppose it wasn't specific to- I don't think even it was time-wasting. It was just, yeah, it was just really stop-start and not, Not really, I I guess I don't think Brentford really tested us as much as I thought that they would from going into the game. You know, they're really strong at home and they've beat some really good top six teams. And I think it was quite surprising when they, I don't know, they seem pretty content at the end to sort of, yeah, hold out for the draw in some sort of sense. But yeah, I think considering our way form, I I just I was I was happy to take the point and run. To be honest, even though you know, you, of course we need we need the three, and it's obviously the easiest out of the the next couple. But I think yeah, it's a hard place to go to. So I think yeah, take take the point and run.
2: No, definitely. I think um, reading back <laughs> through Twitter both Wolves' both wolves, Twitter and bits of Brentford Twitter that seeped into my timeline, unfortunately. Um, I think there was a lot of criticism directed at the referee. Um, I was going to say rightly or wrongly, but it was rightly in my opinion, but uh, not necessarily helping proceedings, whereas you had Brentford sort of saying, oh, Wolves are play-acting, they're diving. Uh, at the end of the day, I've seen Brentford play quite a few times under Thomas Franks, and it seems to be a uh, repeated theme, if you ask me, Michael, that um, a lot of their games can be bitty when they want them to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think both fixtures last season were dominated, one from Brentford's perspective of time-wasting when they had a man sent off. I think it was, um, oh, what's he called? I can't remember the midfielder now. And uh, Baptiste, who got mm. sent off at the game at Molyneux, And they held out... Uh, and then I think Bruno Large was unhappy. And then, of course, there was the beautifully sweet revenge at Bramford Stadium in the return, like when there was quite a bit of time wasting going on. Obviously, there was the drone. And I think that this must be one of the fixtures. You know, you talked about those 44 minutes. And I know, let's say, you've got to set a minimum of two fixtures for the team's play, which, of course, makes sense, given every team in the Premier League that's been in their league at the same season when they've played each other twice. But... I'd like I'd like to see what's the lowest in ball playtime between two teams in Premier League history and I'd like to think Wolves Brentford would be Is right it? at the well oh, definitely bottom, depending on which way
2: you'd look yeah. at Because I know that yesterday's game wasn't the shortest in balling game time this season. I think it was like second lowest. But I reckon you say like average amongst teams, um, you know, you'd, you'd be harking back to the days of Stoke Wolves. Um, Where well, I remember a particularly drab. I think it was a nil, a nil, we had against them. Uh, we've had a great, a great comment on YouTube. Big thanks to everyone who's tuned in uh, live, as always. Saying Wolves, Brentford, mainly um all Championship level. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I enjoyed that, even if it pains me and hurts me. Um, uh, let, let's talk about the Brentford goal, Matt, because. Part of me wants to say, "Oh, it was a good goal," but bit preventable.
0: Yeah, massively preventable, and this is where, when you know, you mentioned about the base, the basics being done incorrectly. Well, this is it. He manages to creep away from um, from a couple of Wolves players, and and then he's given the time to what, like a bicycle kick? Would you quite describe as not quite a bicycle kick, but? like a volley in that he has absolutely no right to be able to pull off. And it's typical Wolves really to make a player like me look like prime Ronaldo, isn't it really? And I'm talking about Brazilian Ronaldo as that when really they didn't create a fat lot. They didn't create, they didn't cause so many problems all game really. And it would just happen to be that the goal of his career was scored against Wolves. And it was entirely preventable, which is which is annoying because it's when you're at this point in this in the season at this place in the table, minor mistakes cause massive implications, and that's exactly you know this is what you know you can't say for sure we wouldn't have conceded a different goal in a different capacity and the butterfly flex and blah blah wow. but you know we if if we hadn't have conceded and we'd have gone on to score, I've confidently felt we could have. Seeing this one out because Brentford really didn't cause us that many problems, but it's just one of those.
2: No, it did feel. I think from Brentford's point of view, they'd say, "Oh, that's a really good goal we've conceded." But Kim, would you can't go a similar to that? The sloppy. The.
3: I think. I think there's a couple of things. I think yeah. it's typical that we have we have against us Ben Mee, who if he's ever going to score, it's usually from his head. Just. I just don't see us ever one ever scoring a goal like that one one our cent from our center backs, and that's probably part of the problem is that we don't have goals all across the pitch, and two, it's just like yeah, just like the best goal of his career again scored against us so do th- do you think there's a it's preventable definitely as as Matt says, but yeah, it is a good goal, so I think if you're watching it as a neutral, you're more likely to think. Yeah, that's a really good f- goal. Sort of out of nothing, really, as well. Like great ball in, and mm. and for a centre back to 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 put it put it in like that. You, yeah, it's one of those things. But it's just uh, how our luck is at the at the moment. Although to be fair, I think we did look better overall during the game um, at, at centre back compared to how we we were last week.
2: I mean, the fact that we can't kind of very much nullified Ivan Tony and kept him quiet for the majority of the game, I think indicates of how good a performance that Kilman and Collins had. Um, Michael, what did you think of, I guess, the centre-backs? Because don't get me wrong, they were all awful last week. But they did seem to pick up a bit of stride this
1: week. Yeah, it was a big improvement. I was a bit nervous at the beginning because I think Wolves... Set uh, kickoff routine. It went back to Matt Kilman, and he tried to whip a ball out to the right hand side, and it was so off target. And I was like, "Oh God, this is a sign of things to come." But no, they did. They did pick up. I thought they generally marshaled Tony well. I mean, to be fair, Tony is often a striker who will pop up in certain moments, and in fairness to him, he often still did. And even though he slipped in two of those, I think that was partially due to the pressure around him. What I was really impressed by was that. I think what was clear from that Leicester game was that Collins and Kilman needed to take on a bit more of a leadership role in the defensive ranks and the gaps between Johnny and Bueno and them, they were often left isolated and, you know, outnumbered. And I thought, you know, when Brentford did get into dangerous positions, it was very noticeable that Bueno had tucked in and Semedo had tucked in. And I think that was... Overall, it's sort of as a defensive unit, it was just far more solid and far more organised than we'd seen in, you know, well, obviously Leicester, but also I guess in times against Crystal Palace, which wasn't as bad, mm. but obviously it's made us defending for that Zaha goal. It's, yeah, um... I
2: think second half we, that was, you know, literally like a game and a half of football against Palace and Leicester, just for, the defence didn't show up. Um, but one of the things that frustrated me most about the Palace game. Um, was when we conceded that equaliser to Palace, the heads dropped, and it seems to be a bit of a finger around Wolves this season that they just lack that confidence when they go behind. And one of the most empowering, empowering things I think from this game, apart from the well earned point, is the fact that we did pull back an equaliser. It might not have been a might not have been a win, but the fact that we did get the equaliser and what a bloody equaliser it was. I know we can't, I know that we can't just rely on Ruben Neves just to score bangers every week, but it ain't half enjoyable, Matt, when they go in, is it?
0: Yeah. You'd be hard pressed to shoehorn in the, um, the Thunderbastard Alan Partridge clip on it. It wasn't quite Thunderbastard territory, but it was a cracker. And, you know, well created as well my, the funny thing is my favorite part of this goal isn't necessarily the strike but it's Rubicar <laughs> trial dancing out of the way of the, the way. shot and it, but he looks he looks terrified he, like, he like, it's not graceful at all um like just feel it free back. to write in the
2: co- anyone who's uh, watching this on youtube whether it's live or um on on repeat feel free to put in the comments what Ruben Nevers shouted to Bamako Trial Ray at that point <laughs> because I don't
0: I don't think it was particularly polite but no I can't imagine it was the, I mean the goal itself is beautifully struck and you know the reward for some you know intense pressure straight away from the goal Frank said in his interview afterwards you know the one thing you don't want when you concede, there are red flags everywhere, he said. And, you know, you don't want to concede. They would It would do so much damage to Brentford's um, morale as well in the game, conceding straight away like they did. Troy already did well as well to control it and get that mm. ball across. You know, I've criticised him a lot, um, Adama, over over the last... This season for being in a position where he either makes the wrong decision or he'll take too long to dilly-dally about making a decision well the fact that he stopped looked made the pass then that pass from i think semedo a, a crossover was just just rewards really because i think we deserved to be in the game and what can you say i mean it's not probably even one of ruben neves's fifth in the top 5 of his goals and it was still a cracker and that just proves the talent that he has that unfortunately i don't think we'll see for much longer
2: no um you mentioned Troy Elway, and I think out of all the players under Davis so far, I think he's been someone who has been quietly actually fairly impressive and and, and seemed to, uh, I was going to say, as much as any Wolves player can do. be played actually quite well a lot of the time. But again, Ruben Re- Nevers, I think even if you take the goal out of the game, I think he was he still had a another phenomenal performance,
3: game, would you say? I think so. I think firstly with just going back to Choiroi for a second I think he's at least showing a bit of form and I think sometimes it's a bit unfortunate that again even though he's been in and out the team and maybe not once as he has played for us before I think he's, he's still going to get two two players marked on him every game um and that that's always going to be a battle for him but I think he's looking a lot more dangerous I think he was unlucky to be get to get taken off as well, um, mm-hmm. over Pedence because again I didn't think I thought Pedence did okay at times, but I always still think that just like Troyore, but to be honest at the moment, I think Troi is more likely to come up with sort of an assist or a, a key pass as opposed to Pedence. So I thought that was a bit harsh, I think, to take him off. But then another point on Troy though, if you notice, when we actually did score he didn't celebrate, so you can if you watch the goal back as he as he sort of sees that he goes in, he just sort of walks off. Whereas if you look at all the other players, they're they right to the to Neves and the fans. So that's just an, another observation. I still don't oh. think he wants to be here deep down, and maybe yeah, I guess we know that, but yeah,
2: um... it's too busy concentrating right He's too busy concentrating racing kids in um Sainsbury car parks. Which I, I part of me because I think there's a couple of things that, that I think I saw on social media this week around a Dharma that obviously that clip that went viral of him, you know, le- leaving some kids for dust in a in a race in a car park. Um but I think on the same day or the day before, he was like signing he was just like walking around Merry Hill and like people were obviously asking for autographs but they were like he was just waiting for him to like run into JD to actually buy Walls top and stuff like that so I don't know whether he's going on like a mini farewell PR tour or whatever (laughs) around uh, and helping the young children of um the young people of Wolverhampton or whatever
0: um I I think Rich on on Adama I think he's going to be as frustrated in his own performances as any Wolves fan here, listening or, or anyone else. I think he expects a lot more from himself, and probably thinks at this point in his career, after the move to Barca and everything, that it was probably on a more upwards trajectory than than what he's currently experiencing. And I think that I don't know if it's you know I didn't notice he didn't celebrate. To be fair to him, but I, I don't know if that's an annoyance at his own. Performance or the team's performance in general, as opposed to his lack of happiness or desire. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think he's a player that I, I think probably wants and needs to be loved, and I think he's he's in a team where there's not a lot of positivity at the minute. And I don't know if he's suffering because of that. Maybe I'm not sure. Hmm. In an in, interesting sports dynamic
2: case study, if ever there were one, um, <laughs> the the only of a major incident. And we, we knew something like this would happen uh, at some point. You, you, you bring in Diego for the drama, and he gave us drama. Unfortunately, it was the wrong. It was more of a Greek tragedy than anything else. But um, he did manage to get himself sent off for a headbutt against uh, Brentford's goal scorer, Ben Mee. Um, it didn't initially get picked up, and then the, the lovely people at VAR managed to see it. Um, michael what was your initial reaction to
1: this my initial reaction when there was a stoppage in play was total excitement because i thought they were looking at a penalty incident <laughs> and it quickly turned a bit sour and then when when they were looking at it at first i wasn't actually sure who they were looking at because you do see ben me sort of put his head towards costa first like i'm i'm, I'm still confident watching the feedbacks so he does that obviously it's not in the same manner of, as which costa's sort of jolted his head a bit more and it's you know it is a red card it's stupid um it's obviously the kind of stuff he used to do before var if i'm right in thinking i think he had some limited time playing with var in spain but he wasn't really involved with atletico madrid much don't have it in the brazilian league as far as i know um so he is one of those things that you know a lot of those kind of characteristics that he you know used to his success um over the years has kind of come back to bite him with the technologies we now use but yeah i mean it's it's so stupid and annoying given the timing of the match it is i mean the time of the match and shorter makes it better because what there's a minute left of the game and brentford don't really have a time to react to that but long term you know that's um until christmas boxing day that mm. he's out and when he was just starting to come into a bit of form you know i think a lot of his the description of his lot performance has been quite lamented and stuff but i think there's been game by game improvement and um you know you can tell he's slow you can tell he's getting on a bit but you can also see that his intelligence of knowing when a defender's body's moving one way when he has that shot at the end he knows which way to turn how to create a chance still and that kind of thing i think is offering way more than jimenez has in the past, you know, 12 months for various reasons. But I think it's such a shame that they're going to lose him for Brighton, which I think is a winnable game. Um, Arsenal, which I don't think is a winnable game, but he's got a good history against Arsenal at the very least. So, yeah, just really disappointing on the whole. But I do think Ben Mee was quite lucky to escape without anything.
3: Well, yeah,
2: um, David Price has said in the comments, both should have had cars. Ben Mee for the initial headbutt and Costa for the retaliation. Um, I was a bit surprised, because like, I, I kind of assumed that Ben Me must have got a booking. Like, if you've seen the incident, I I, I hate to be unbiased um, in situations around Wolves, but I do think that what Costa did... You can, I can see why he got the red card and Ben Me didn't, but the fact that Ben Me got nothing did, did surprise me. Kim, I, I guess it's it's always a different experience to experience fire in the stadium, isn't it? But... Um, how did you kind of see the incident? Do you think Ben me? I don't know.
3: I think I'm just looking at it from Costa's perspective and it's just like, why don't get involved in it? And I think for, for him to actually come out after the game and apologise shows that if he didn't think he didn't deserve to be sent off, he wouldn't come out and apologise, would he? Um, agree that, yeah, it is it is a bit, you know, why would Ben me not get... A, card of some sort as well but it's just infuriating that we haven't we can't afford red cards in our situation given we've literally got no no obvious replacement now um and that's going to cost us because we've literally got no striker now to play until after the world cup and as we know we don't have any options um but yeah in the ground you just knew to be honest as soon as um the ref had to go over to the screen. You just knew knew what was going to happen, and yeah, from there it was sort of it was already game over anyway. So yeah, I will say
2: uh, we had we had an interesting point for Twitter corner for um, from Ash Dolan, which was um, am I the only one a little disappointed in Costa rather than pleading innocent rather than pleading innocence, uh, which is funny in itself. Um, he didn't go overboard and you know sell the headbutt like a smo and in wrestling uh, top shit house um but matt for you were you a bit frustrated by it because i said oh you you can't have to buy into diego costa and you get you you get rough with the smooth that he mm-hmm. might do something and get a suspension but it's because he gives you performances and goals and we are five games in with no goals at the moment, and I know yeah. there's attributing factors, but we signed Grant Holt uh, seven years ago today who played four <laughs> games for and scored no goals.
0: Yeah, I mean frustrating in the fact that like Michael said, he was he, he was slowly, painfully slowly, but slowly picking up momentum, and you know on, a, on another occasion, you know he, he might have scored um, against Palace when he couldn't get it out of his feet and it just came at a really bad time I think what's cute about what Ben Mee's done is he's led in with his back and shoulder and his head's moved with his body, whereas Costa has just head butted with his neck. <laughs> like his body is static and his neck has tucked his head. I describe, um, yeah, I describe what Ben Me did as rutting, like a deer. He was, yeah, if this was boxing, he'd be going in with his head as part of a clinch as opposed to a headbutt, Um But it's, it's, it is frustrating. I don't, i think it's a bit of revisionist history to say that costa has this in his locker considering i think this is his first premier league red card or as i'm led to believe or it is least... his
2: first re- it is his first red card however i'm pretty sure he has been suspended retrospectively at least once i think towards... mm, okay.
1: i think he got sent off in the fa cup once and then premier league this uh, is
2: that point. how we're covering ourselves
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah okay. um it is frustrating. Call me naive, call me whatever you like. In in any negativity, there has to be opportunity. And I think it will give some game time to what I think should be Hwang, believe it or not. Um, because I think that apart from that Newcastle horror show, I don't think in the time, the limited time he's played, he's done too much wrong. I think he's, deserves an opportunity when Gonçalo's done pretty much nothing when he's been on the pitch. I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if we gave a an opportunity, not keep him in now f- for the rest of the season or anything like that. I-, I think you've got to try something because we've got no other choice of Costa's not going to be there.
2: I was going to say, uh, let- give Hwanga a helping hand. Um, yeah, again, I, I, I'd, I'd refer back to my other comments in terms of starting lineups. For uh, Steve Davis seems to be very much a square pegs in square holes. He seems pretty set on this 4-3-3 three, three formation. And I don't think he'd feel comfortable playing Guedes a, as a striker up front by himself because we've already seen this season. It's not a role he's accustomed to. He needs to have some firing off him. Um, we'll round up... Uh, Brentford chat by just sort of saying do you think it was one point gained or two points lost because I I do think we're well worth the point but I know are we all happy with a point or do we think we deserved a little bit more
1: I thought it was two points lost Um, I think any point at this stage you kind of have to take but Brentford I think Ivan Tony's or somebody said it after they lost to Villa the week before, when Brentford, you know, Brentford are a good team. It's a tough place to go. But when Brentford are bad, they're really bad. And um, I thought they were really bad against Wolves. I thought they really offered very little. The kind of chances they created were more from our kind of lacklustre moments and from their kind of ingenuity or anything like that. And I think that they really were there for the taking. They'd had a couple, Jensen came off first half, a couple injuries to key players and... I thought they looked really soft in the game. They looked like a team almost wanting to get beat. And we, you know, for numerous reasons that have plagued our season, were unable to capitalise on that.
2: Kim, how about you? Were you satisfied with a point? I know we sort of said earlier in the show Mm. that, you know, happy enough with a point, but part of you.
3: It's difficult, isn't it? I think a draw is a fair result because I don't think we did enough. To win the game, I mean I think yeah, Brentford weren't great either, but all the opportunities that we created there were there were half chances and I, I think when you look at the bigger picture, you'd like to say it was one point gained, but I can understand sort of the opinions on two lost, given the fact that they weren't Brentford weren't at their best, and also given what we've got ahead of us. It was the easiest game on paper, um, in comparison to to Brighton and Arsenal. So, yeah, but I, st- I just don't think we did enough, personally, to, to to get all three points.
2: Matt, how about you?
0: Um, I think it was one point gained and two points lost, only on the basis that I think we we that what that wasn't us playing at our best, and we were unlucky not to. And I actually think we could have played better. And we had. Better opportunity. We could have created better opportunities, and the chances that we did have, we could have took, you know, took better. But it was a positive step, nonetheless. You know what I mean? I wasn't expecting us to win going into it. Um I, if would have won, I wouldn't have said, "Oh, we really got away with that one." Do you know what I mean? Either. So it's it's six one and a half. It doesn't do the other really. I just think that it was so important. It was so important that we didn't lose. So important because. So we, that really would have felt like a kick in the teeth for what has been a, a huge improvement over over Leicester. But if we took Leicester out of the equation altogether, it was an improvement over the Palace performance as well in that we could sustain it over a 90 minute period.
2: Definitely. I think can't be disappointed if it was a point and I don't know if we quite did enough to win the game. to truly go away you know what we should we should have got three points and how didn't we Mm. um but a point point on the board i don't think you can ever complain about especially considering our form at the moment we're going to take a short break guys after a break we're going to talk a little bit about jimenez a little bit about locketegui and do a little quiz we will see you in a short second catch you in a minute Hi, it's Richard from Wolf's Fancast here. Just interrupting today's show before we get back to some uh, questionable opinions and opinionated questions to talk to you a little bit about our sponsors Pixel Yeti Media. They are a design agency that put you and your business first from web design, logo and branding design and marketing. If you have any marketing needs, get in touch with them to find out how they can help you get it right. They are over at pixelyetimedia.com Now, let's get back to a show where we can give you some really forced wordplay, niche cultural references, and maybe even a bit of football talk. Hello, welcome back, everybody. So, we're not going to do a... Long table run through, frankly, because it's depressing. Um, but Wolves are currently nineteenth with ten points after thirteen games. Um, but one thing I think is most notable that we are a decent chunk into the season, but it is still quite tight at the bottom of the table. Um, you know, most exemplified by Leeds, who, of course, uh, beat Liverpool, but they've shot up from you know being below us in the table all the way up to fifteenth. So, with my positive hat on. I'm not getting super, super anxious, but obviously we are still in fairly dire straits. Um, But hopefully we can somehow manage to get a few points out of, you know, Brighton, who beat Chelsea and Arsenal, who are near the top of the table. Um, Anyway, I want to talk a little bit about Raul Jimenez, guys, because he's not been in england over uh, the past few weeks essentially since the last international break he hasn't re- returned um following a groin injury that he's apparently sustained for a significant while now um but given i guess the optics around walls matt do you think it's not been a great move to have him still out there um rather than sort of being back at compton or does it really not matter because you know he's recovering from an injury
0: yeah i think for the purposes of the team and his rehabilitation i don't think it makes much of a difference if i'm honest but as with everything on social media the truth isn't what's most important the perception is what's most important and the perception is he's a filthy skyver as Twitter would have you believe. I, I think I think the whole thing's blown out of proportion if I'm if I'm being honest with you. I mean, how often do players go off to see specialists in other countries when you know how would have an injury, he flew you know, he would fly back to Spain or you know, I don't think it's as huge a deal as we think. I think that because of our if we were if we were sitting in 12th having a really mediocre season of draws and the occasional win and the occasional loss, this wouldn't make headlines at all. It's because of the position that we're in in the table that it causes today's Twitter meltdown. And tomorrow's Twitter meltdown will be that Bueno, I don't know, puts his... Fridge puts his tomato sauce in the fridge, you know what I mean it's one of these things it, it makes no it doesn't make a difference, but it's just exam it's it, it's amplified by social media because of where we are at the moment so i don't I don't think it's a big deal
2: I mean Kim, I know your son who's been on holiday to Mexico, so you will you will living i I assume you'll realize that actually a lot of people go, oh well, clearly he's just their son he's just lounging it about, but is this the footballing equivalent from i guess a fan's perspective where an organisation isn't necessarily performing as well as they should do. So, and you've all been doing a lot of working from home, a lot of hybrid stuff and they've pulled everyone back into the office. Is that what what we're demanding as fans? We're hard-earned money.
3: I I just think, I think it has been like pulled out of proportion a little bit, but I do think there's probably more to it in terms of the injury um, I, I mean, you obviously read different reports on on what's happening, and it's it's is it the he's struggling with the injury plus sort of mentally. I mean, we we can just speculate, can't we? We don't know that it might be that you know he just needed a change of scenery and going back to you know where he's actually from. You know, I, I don't think it's I don't think people should be. Getting on his back or making comments when, technically, we don't really know what's happening. But he, he ultimately, he had a really career-threatening injury. So I think we've got to be, a, you know, I think he, I think he, we've got to be careful on, on what we say. Um, yeah, it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's, it's a difficult one to sort of put your finger on until we actually know but where's his family like are they still in england or have they gone back to mexico with him as i say we don't know so it's just a shame that he's not back on back on the pitch and hopefully after the world cup he will be and, and we'll have have him as an option
2: definitely i think that's <clears throat> from from our perspective it's fantastic all that's all we want i think that's arguably the the most frustrating thing is that we're severely lacking goals. We as Wolves fans have seen him, you know, particularly pre-injury, be that focal point and be the player who consistently gets us goals. And, you know, it's the, it's the thing we are literally missing in this team. And, you know, when, when you sort of see him not, not on the pitch and struggling. But I think... I read the same article I think you're referring to, Kim, about sort of relating to the mental side. And it, it reminded me, there's, there's an American football player, uh, Andrew Luck, who went through a couple of really serious injuries. Um, not not you know, quite the extreme of a fractured skull, but he ended up retiring on basically getting a sprained ankle because he kind of decided, I'm not doing the rehab again. I'm not going through, you know, an eight, what, essentially about an eight to 12 week injury process of returning and just didn't fancy it but I guess Michael for yourself I mean how important is it for Jimenez for to get back playing for Wolves because there have been rumours flying about but it doesn't look particularly likely that he's going to be playing in the next two weeks
1: Yeah I think trying to get him back in terms of looking for a plan especially with Costas absence of how Wolves plan around that I think Jimenez should be at the bottom of the priority list I think you know with all due respect to ourselves that Jimenez you know he's idolized in Mexico and they've got a World Cup on the horizon and what I think will most likely even though he's not the oldest player in the world but I think will most likely be Jimenez's last and given his form over the between the last World Cup and this one at the very least deserves that chance um I think if he can go to the World Cup and there's no pressure from our side To allow him to, you know, and maybe have a really big moment for Mexico in the World Cup. I think you kind of have to hope that that will be able to radiate and sort of result in a bounce for Jimenez coming back to Wolves. Because otherwise, I think if you try and rush him in back before the World Cup affects his fitness before the World Cup, doesn't have a disappointing World Cup, that can so easily just sort of build a negative reception and maybe reaction from Jimenez towards the club and. I think if anything, the club kind of needs to put, it, you know, given especially what he's been through, I think he's within his full, you know, I'm not always saying sort of, you know, a club should bend over backwards for a player's needs, but I think Jimenez's case is very different. And I think the club in this in this scenario, you know, given there is only two weeks before the World Cup, should be taking into account what the players' priorities are right now. And as long as, as much as we like to think, oh, Wolves should always be a player's priority. You know, World Cups every player's dream, isn't it? And I think I think that should be respected in that sense. And the club should kind of work. They should all hopefully. Then I'm. Sure, I think they are. By the sounds of it, they're working together to try and get him ready for that World Cup. And hopefully, if he has a good one, it'll work for Wolves going forwards.
2: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel like he's. Yeah, he, he's. I think people make it sound sometimes like he's gone MIA and like he's just gone, sorry, I can't, I can't come on the plane. I've, I've pulled my groin. I'll just, um, I'm just going to have to go to the beach instead. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed. Um, we can see him back on a pitch in, in no time because even if he isn't fit enough for the next couple of weeks, if he's fit enough to play in the World Cup, it's still. it'll still be nice to sort of see him play on the main stage of what's arguably going to be his last uh, international tournament by the way things are shaping up. Uh, the only other little bit of tidbit, um, again, it drags on and on and on, but Wolves are apparently still in for Um, Lopetegui. um I mean, I'm not going to do a whole big thing on it, but Matt, what the chances are he's actually going to be on manager? Let's say post-World Cup.
0: Uh, it's, it's a tough one because Everybody, you know, says, well, it all depends on the the health of his father and everything else. But again, you you read into that what you will, if that was the case and that was the overriding factor. Why did he interview? And there's all this to and fro And Do I think he'll be the manager come the end of the World Cup? No, no, I don't. I think this is one of those um, in another life, we could have rolled the dice kind of things. I don't think it's ever going to happen, and if you know, like uh, like Pacquiao may whether it will, if it does happen, it will be about three to five years too late. I don't think it's I don't think at this point in in both of both parties' careers, it's probably in their best interests now. Um, I think from Wolves' point of view, I'm not saying we need to do or die, Sam Allardyce or anything like that, but I think we need somebody that perhaps has a bit more. Of a get out of the trenches mentality than someone that's going to set us up for a future of potential European football. So I don't think no, he'll be the um, he'll be the manager come the end of the World Cup.
1: No,
2: I think only time will tell. I saw it, I saw it pop up today. It's like he must be getting sick of the text he's getting from Jeff. It's um, <laughs> all I'm thinking. Um, a couple of nice comments I've seen on our YouTube um uh, youtube viewers big fangs is uh, with such vultures and we should move on and I, it just uh, it doesn't feel like we've got a plan at the moment still and it, it is dicey and in a way i'd almost cope if he signed a pre-contract agreement to start on x date you mm. know first of january but only time will tell now matthew when I mentioned to you earlier today that I was like, we're going to do a quiz, your reaction was less than positive. Positive, yeah. Now, I am no corporate shill. I will bow down to no one apart from four for Wolves Partners quiz. <laughs> because when you're short on content, why not go for a quiz? So, guys, it's really simple. I've got five questions based around Wolves Partners in the club because I'm fa- like of all things in football I'm really fascinated by the whole new partners uh, oh like this is, this is Wolves
0: this is Wolves official cottage cheese partner yes that I'm fascinated right. I'm
2: fascin- fascinated by the commercialization of um, <laughs> football sponsorship because I just think it's bizarre. you know our official donut sponsor our Nigerian energy <laughs> drink sponsor and things like that I think it's what I, I don't think it's wonderful um in the you know Moralistic sense, but I do just find it I- incredibly interesting to see how they're sort of juggling these. So, five questions for you guys. Now, AstroPay is the club's principal partner, but who are Wolves' three main partners?
0: Um, uh, but, uh, but Angel Energy. <sighs> are they one of them? Angel something or another?
2: They are not. Oh, okay. One of them one of them is actually pretty easy. Um
0: <sighs> uh, uh, focus on themselves.
2: <laughs> I think they own at least one of the three. Um do you want me to tell you guys?
3: Oh, is one Thomas Cook? No? Or
2: well, guess the no, but Nearly. <laughs> You're on the right trail of foot, just...
1: right? No, not there. Sunning Holding. No, that's someone else, isn't it? I don't uh, have a clue.
2: I feel, I feel like we're not going to get it. No. Nah. Um, so, here are the three main sponsors. According to their website, I must I must say. So it's Castor, uh,
1: yeah. Royal mm.
2: Caribbean International and 12bet.
1: Um, How Royal did they Bet? skirt around? Yeah, even it on Caribbean yes. International is always at Molyneux, mm. isn't it? Yeah.
2: yeah. They sponsor the training kit as well. I think Royal Caribbean. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay, so Wolves Global IT partner, it's Arctic Wolf. But are there more estimated <laughs> Arctic Wolves in the wild, or people living in Wolverhampton? Ooh.
1: Arctic Wolves. I feel like they can cover the whole sort of no, top of the Northern Hemisphere. Mm. I, I'll think go for got,
3: like, I think people. people. Yeah, in I, I'm going
0: for Arctic Wolves on the basis that you've got all of like Russia and Mongolia and all huge swathes of land that are on un, 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 un hospitable for for man so I'm going for uh, wolves themselves
2: Big shout out for people in the comments who are just like commenting on people or wolves at the moment visit this is this is, <laughs> this is this is exactly what I live for on a Sunday night I'm not gonna lie. the correct answer. Is people so there's an estimated oh. two hundred thousand Arctic wolves and around two hundred and sixty people in Wolverhampton. So next up, suit specialist House of Cavani recently became a sponsor slash partner. But how many clubs has Edison
1: Cavani played for in his career? I'll go for one in Uruguay. Palermo, Napoli, PSG, Man United i'd go six
0: six i'll go seven i hope he's got he's forgotten someone
3: i'll i think it's
0: seven as well in hindsight when i thought of this quiz i forgot
2: that we we're having who does a european football podcast on the show <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer is six um yeah. so oh, uh, he did start off at a Uruguayan cup club you are completely right michael um uh, danubio then palermo then a loan spell at napoli then made permanently then psg then united um manchester united and then valencia um i'll say my only tidbit of this is you look at his goal scoring record compared to everywhere else apart from man united Mm -hmm. like he's a phenomenally good player number four cadbury A Wolves partner are technically the shirt sponsor of Notts County. I say technically because they donated it. They they are the shirt sponsor and they donated it to a local organisation. But which current England International played for Notts County the last time they played Wolves?
0: Oh God, I was there as well, I think. Well
1: Was it the penalty shoot? Well, the season we got promoted from League One. It was.
2: It was, wow. I believe, if I can remember off the top of my head, for fifteenth of February two thousand and
0: fourteen. Yeah, it was just, there was about there was two k away fans and about two k home fans. I remember it well. It was, I believe, it was at
1: Molyneux. Was this a Johnston's paint game or was it the just a league match? It was a league match. League
3: match. Um, current England
1: international.
3: So it's got to be someone who's. Fairly getting on in their career. Oh,
1: like one of the younger Does ones it's... is on loan spells. Yeah, this, oh, I don't know. We got any stabs in the dark, or shall I reveal all?
2: I've got a couple.
3: Ja- Jared Bowen.
2: Uh, no, Robert but somebody... Ben White. Oh. Good guesses, but you're both wrong. Um, and someone actually has got it in the co- uh, in the in the comments. Um it's Jack Grealish.
1: Oh God! Yeah, mm. look at that hair. I remember playing for them now, but yeah. not against
2: us. Yeah, I, I, I've no, I've no memory of him actually playing at Notts County. But yeah, it was the same time we we're in a, we we're in League One. Right, last two questions. Oh no, last, last question. Even I tell a complete lie. Um, no, it isn't. No, I've completely just, I've just wrote down the wrong number. Um, sorry, guys. Um, so tile choice is a sponsor for family enclosure. Are there more tile choice stores or Wolves players out on loan?
0: Ooh, I think there are more Wolves players out on loan.
3: Agree. It's got to be. Must be. There's, there's...
2: Stores or loans? Feel free to um, give your thoughts I'll go with tools. stores
1: just because everyone else has gone loans, but I've never seen a tile choice in my life. So, yeah, And there's got to
3: be about 50 players out on loan.
1: Wow.
2: There are, according to Tile Choices website, again, for any of your <laughs> Tile Choice needs. Um, and if you are interested in having an official collaboration with Wolves Fancast, you can feel free to contact us on podcast at wolvesfancast.com. Um, 18 Tile Choice stores, but 20 players out on loan.
0: There we go.
1: Yeah. It's funny when you look at this list and there's a couple of players that you just never recognize in the slides.
2: Oh, 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 yeah. I mean, some of the. I, I initially went on Wikipedia, and then cross, and then found actually there's an official list on the Wolves website, and Wikipedia didn't include some of the players on there because they are somewhat more obscure. But I, like, even some, you know, we've got a couple of the visualic um, lads on there,
3: you know. And interestingly, a couple of them could probably improve our first team now on the list. Well, I'm not going to say who they are. Leave I, that to you adma- I, imagination.
2: I was going to say, I happily could, to be honest. <laughs> okay, so the last question, which hasn't pulled through yet. I think that was the last question. I think for some reason it's not pulled out one for questions. But, Matt, was that up to your standards
0: of quizzing? It was more than acceptable, <laughs> as I um, do love an obscure and tenuous link at the best of times when it comes to quizzes, so it's right up my street. It, I was going to say, is there any point of doing a quiz if it's not
2: tenuous? Exactly. The only thing I
0: thought that might have been different is that you were going to do some kind of Halloween, uh, a Halloween-based one. Um, But then, apart from, like, John DeWolf, like, where do you go with it? See,
2: from this, Matt, you know I'm now going to spend the rest of the evening thinking of really forced (laughs) Halloween puns. I was going to say, I feel like that's a proper um, radio show trope is it where you're running out of content it's a slow news day you just run a pun um, exactly. so a uh, couple of questions from Twitter Corner just to finish things off uh, big thanks to everyone who contributed as always um, first up um, Martin at Clive Wolves says having watched the excellent Welcome to Wrexham documentary series I was wondering which telly slash movie star duo would you most like to see by Wolves
1: uh, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant. I don't know who would be Jeff Sheehan or like if they would do their own mockumentary of Wolves' negotiations in the past year, but you could probably make something pretty good out of that. Yeah, I can see
3: that.
0: Yeah, I think that wouldn't be a. I mean, prior to this game, how I was feeling about Wolves, it probably would have been Fred and Rose West, just to put me out of my misery. But um, at this point, it, are you from- telly style? well you know they're famous on television I suppose Um, (laughs) but I think um, at this point in time Vic and Bob uh, shooting stars fame would at least give me the most entertainment to see what their half time uh, entertainment would have been
2: Kim where's your so I had a couple of ideas again if you'd have asked me last week I'd have probably gone very much comedy duo um with it and go, I should be like, more common wise or something like that but I don't know, part of me thinks do we go serious and I feel like if our owners were Brad Pitt and George Clooney you know, I'd I'd be having a bit of that, no? Or am I just thinking they'd just be running a weird con?
0: Yeah, I'd worry that we were going down kind of like a Scientology route with the club or something like that that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> kim how about you who what what movie style or tv styles would you like to see uh take over walls right. Apparently just keeps dropping off unfortunately so we'll never find out um again we, we didn't quite touch upon it in the in the show itself um but obviously we've got Cost out um, for the next couple of games, but who would you like to see play at centre forward against Brighton? Guedes should be the answer, but I'm pretty sure if you did a poll between him, Wang, and Campbell, he'd come last. Um, such disappointment at the moment. Um, I guess really quickly, guys, Michael and Matt, who are you both um, wanging for Wang? <laughs>
0: uh, I, I I am, but I, I'm could probably be quite easily be persuaded otherwise. So I'll turn it over to Michael on this one as I had my say earlier.
1: Yeah, no, I'm definitely not Wang. Um <laughs> I don't think he's done anything to convince me in the last few months. Um I'd I'd go I'd go Guedes, the other one who I do think's quite interesting that's not been talked about and hasn't from what I know hasn't really trained with the first team but is meant to be one of our brightest new youth prospects is Nathan Fraser who's mm. a proper old fashioned number nine. Um, in terms of his sort of physicality, and you know, he's quite a tall, powerful striker, especially his age group. Whether that would translate into senior football, I don't know. But I mean, if he's probably, I mean, which is concerning, you think, under 23s, under 18s, etc., maybe the only natural center forward we really have at the moment. Um, but out of those three, Gonzalo Guedes, any day, I think, um, give him a run a game, see what he can do before the World Cup, you know, can he even. Force himself into World Cup contender of Portugal, unlikely, but you never know with injuries and stuff. So I think there would really be something to play for there, and um, yeah, easy choice for me.
2: I'm slightly scared to say Kim because the last <laughs> three times I've said Kim, what do you think? It's been I think drop-down. I'm alive
3: now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I'm here. Um, I'd agree with Matt actually. I think, and I, I can't believe I'm saying it because, to be honest, I haven't been <laughs> Huang's biggest fan either, but. He hasn't had much football lately and, yeah, I feel like we've not got that many other choices. I think, you know, we all know that Pedence definitely is possibly the worst choice to play up top, considering he's smaller than me. Um, So, and Gwes just hasn't impressed me um, when he sort of played the, the, I don't know he hasn't played the lone striker but he's almost played sort of off the striker. Um, I just yeah I think there isn't many options and I'd just stick with Huang and give him just give him a chance at least give him give him a couple of games just to see what he can do and and maybe play Guedd off him I don't know but I just can't I, I, we just haven't got any other choices so I'm 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 sticking with Huang up top.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm I, I'm more of Wang Boat just because I think he's more of a natural attacking player and more of a, more of a strike than Guedes is at, at this moment. I mean, it's it is a bit rock and a hard place though, unfortunately. Um, and finally from Todd, is this week we've all given up on FPL, Kim, as our resident FPL queen. Have you Well, definitely week?
3: not a queen at the moment in the FPL sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I had Saka and felt pretty as captain, which is pretty much a differential captain this week. And I was feeling pretty good when he got an assist in the first two minutes of the game and then obviously came off injured. So, yeah, it's really annoying. Peperoulet is doing my head in as well with Foden benched. Um, but I did get a double palace clean sheet, which, yeah quite quite a nice nice viewpoint to me
2: i mean i um I, i've actually fairly tried in fpl this year as opposed to other years but for some reason never played harland throughout the first 14 games of the season well 13 games of the season um but average score this week 47 I'm on 66 points, so uh, everything's really? coming up nil, house over here? Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm still persevering. The one which has really annoyed me, and I'm not, I'm not speaking to the right crowd on here, um, I managed to forget to change my NFL fantasy football team, um, and had my quarterback on, on as a bye, which was it. But Michael, are you, um, are you an fpl
1: Yeah, I, I must join your league, but um, now nah, I had a good defence, and then I had armor on and Erdegaard, but then the sort of other most expensive three midfielders and two attackers contributed, I think eight points. So that's likely just around the average mark.
2: Yeah, I think um, I, I felt the pain a bit because I had Kane and Son and who contributed three points between them. Um, but Matt, I, I cannot remember off the top of my head how um, emotionally invested you are in terms of fantasy football. Yeah.
0: Um... Not very. I, I once again I created a team, but when her late uh, Majesty passed away, um, I stopped playing. Not for any sense of um, poignancy or um, out of respect for the Queen's passing. I just when the games were cancelled, I just forgot. And then I'm one of these people. I forget for one week, and I just think it's all over. I could. I, I haven't made a transfer for about four or five game weeks, so I could be doing really well. I don't know. I haven't checked. I might just see how I am at the end of the season, and just and if I, you know, if I'm ahead of anybody, you know, never let them forget it for the rest of time. See now, I actually- had a decent, I had a decent like base at first, but then I had Kilman in, so I don't know what that would have done against Leicester. So yeah,
2: you've got say-
3: Matt, you've got three players who are injured. The the one guy who's <laughs> retired, the, the the guy who's retired from Brighton. <laughs> Still, we
2: still in. There you go. you probably still above me in the league.
1: Um <laughs> there we go. That says it all. Say, I,
2: I was saying uh yes, I, I've I've crept above you um according to this. Uh, <laughs> but, gen, genuinely I have about six points more than you according to our league table map, wow, <laughs> which just... you've done fuck all for several weeks. Um I think on that slightly depressing note for me. Um, That's a good point to end the show. Big thank you to everyone who's tuned in and watched live and everyone who's listened to us on podcasts. Uh, Your sport is much loved and immeasurable. Uh, We'll be back to preview the upcoming Brighton match. make sure you keep up to date with all things fancast at walls fancast on twitter facebook instagram and youtube make sure you've liked shared and subscribed as well um until next time though it's goodbye from kim
3: keep the faith
2: it's goodbye from matt take it easy everybody michael big thanks for joining us again do you want a quick plug uh, for for your things as well
1: yeah thanks for having me um yeah if anyone wants to listen to any european football there we do a podcast at RTN Football. Fortnite, the episode.
2: Fantastic! It's goodbye for me, guys. See you next time. <laughs>